Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in, thanks for downloading, and thanks for listening. Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. And today, you guys, we're in the consumer product space and retail. We're talking to Mark Kohlenberg. He is the founder and CEO of an amazing company called Milwaukee Boot Company. You guys are going to love the podcast, and I'm guessing you're going to go straight to his site and be checking out his product today, as I've already done. So, Mark, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks. It's <laughs> great to be with you. I loved uh, checking out your background. I mean, you have done so much work in this space. You've got so much to share with our audience today. Um, I, I've never met anyone that has footwear experience and background like you do. And not only that, but like this blend of like entrepreneurship and building brands. So I cannot wait to unpack that today. So let's start with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Um, how do you? I, I look back all the way to when you finished your undergrad. Your undergrad was in political science and international relations, and here you are leading and starting companies and leading footwear companies and retail, and you know direct to consumer. Like, how does that? How did your career start, and how did you get into this whole space? Uh, yeah, yeah, literally, there was no plan. You know, there's a right. there's a heck, heck of a lot of drinking beer in college, and I, I think that's. That, that was kind of the epiphany for all this, but um, I went to the University of Wisconsin, and you know, honestly, a lot of my friends yep. were, um, you know, they wanted to go to law school, they wanted to get their MBA, you know, all this stuff. And you know, I'm just a, you know, a lower middle class kid from from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I really had no clue what I wanted to do. My dad was a plumber, and you know, he worked his, his butt off. Uh, for not a lot of money, and I, I really saw how hard he had to work and, and what little he brought in, and, and you know, I, I think it was a huge eye opener for me. I, I definitely knew that that's not something that I wanted to do. Sure. Uh, so I, you know, I did want to go to college. I wanted to do something, but I, I never was really able to figure it out. But you know, took a couple of political science and international relations courses, and you know, just intellectually kind of got me going. And it was interesting. And uh, alongside that, you know, especially as you know, later in, in, in my uh, you know college years, I realized you know I had to have something that's going to help, hopefully, help me get a job. So you know, I took a bunch of business courses as well. Sure. <laughs> but you know, when I graduated, the, the job market sucked. You know, yep. you know, frankly, as it usually does. And the only people that were really doing any hiring, you know, were at the Big Ten schools uh, were retailers. So. Uh, the May Company, uh, which you know since has been acquired uh, by the Macy's Group, but you know, the May Company at the time, you know, was really number two in the country. They had a, a really strong executive training program, so they were recruiting at the Big Ten schools and offered me a, a, a job with their Kaufman's division in Pittsburgh uh, in their executive training program. Wow. So I moved to Pittsburgh. Not, honestly, not knowing what the heck I was doing, <laughs> but um, but it, it, it gave me. It, it really gave me uh, a really good, solid understanding. It was very well done um, about what retail is all about. But it, I think at the time, you know, as a naive kid that, you know, was in my early 20s, but I also saw a side of retail that I didn't like. And, you know, again, everything has its time. But at that time, you know, from from my perception, you know, as a recent college grad, it just appeared that, you know, the only way you got ahead 
uh, and advance your career in, you know, big market retail was to, you know, kind of stab somebody in the back and sure. you know, just do whatever it takes to get ahead. Survival. And I, yeah. I was exposed to quite a bit of that and it just, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And, and you know, I, I knew I loved product. I loved promoting the product, but I, I, I knew at the time as well, I didn't want to follow it sure. like the conventional it's, path it's so, so interesting you say that. I mean, you could apply that in a lot of different industries with big companies. You know, when you, you get into your middle to higher career levels, you know, there aren't as many spots. And so inevitably, mm-hmm. it becomes challenging and it goes beyond the, the work and the, the brand and the passion for a product. It's like, you know, who am I going to outdo? Or exactly. How am I going to get leveled exactly. up? And, and for those listening that work in big companies, you, you're seeing that or you will one day. <laughs> I hate to say it. And those that are entrepreneurs, I mean, that's one of the benefits of having your own thing, right? So that's interesting. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Now, you were in retail, and by the way, pa- passionate about retail. And gosh, retail is going through such a tough time right now. But um, talk about like, how did you, you know, there's a lot of different segments of retail. And without going into all of those, like, how did you become somewhat of an expert or, uh, you know, a, a f- have a focus in the footwear space? Yeah, um, number one, I'm not an expert. So, you know, I, I, I think... <laughs> More than most. You know, it, 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 yeah, no, but, you know, one, one of the really fascinating things, and I, I think the thing that kind of gets me every morning, you know, whether you're talking retail or wholesale or, or, or D2C, is just, it, it literally changes every day. You know, some, some new products, some brands, some new processes coming along, and, you know, I, I get bored very easily. So sure, just the fact, same. you know, I, I can wake up every morning, have a cup of coffee, and and learn something new that, you know, I haven't considered before or I wasn't aware of, you know, really is, is, you know, just really motivating to me. And, and I think a lot of people in the business as well. So, um, and, you know, my path honestly was just by accident. You know, I, I, I lasted a year in Pittsburgh with the May company, um, and, and moved back, uh, to Wisconsin and uh, spent a couple of years working for a nonprofit actually. And then I was introduced to, um, you know, kind of a, you know, one of the biggest entrepreneurial names in Milwaukee, a gentleman by the name of Marty Stein, that really, you know, he started a, a chain of uh, drugstores and chain of optical stores. And ultimately, when Walgreens was looking to enter the Milwaukee market, uh, he sold uh, to Walgreens and that gave Walgreens their, their initial footprint in Milwaukee. So he hired me to, you know, kind of be his right hand kid at the time. And um, as, as he went on an international uh, philanthropic gig for a couple of years. So um, and he was a super cool guy and really allowed me to, you know, it's like, a, I think it was probably 23, 24, you know, just to sit in with him on, on meetings with all the movers and shakers business. He, he took me on a, a the governor of Wisconsin, had a trade mission to Israel. He took me along with him and met the prime minister of Israel and all this stuff. So, you know, I, I learned a lot of what I, you know, kind of the processes that I, I fall back on now from him. And, and he gave me a very, honestly, very different perspective on retail than I learned from the main company in Pittsburgh. And it was much more about, you know, treating people with respect. It was about honesty and transparency. It was, it was how to negotiate, and, you know, into a win-win situation. But, um, it, it was pretty heady and, wow. you know, it just, it, again, it just kind of got me excited. It's like, wow, hmm. you know, if this guy can do it, you know, right. now, now then I can maybe this too. is a so space for me. That, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, so th- that was the start, and, and you know, ultimately, you know, he he came back from his his international philanthropic gig after two years, and um, you know, I asked him for you know a couple of introductions to businesses in the city, and he made an introduction for me to the owner at the time of Alan Edmonds. Oh, uh, yeah, I used which, to, which, which was John Stolenwork. You, know, sure. you know, when it was privately owned before all the equity groups right. and stuff like that. Right. So. And, and honestly, I knew nothing about shoes. I didn't know John Stolen work, but I, you know, I just kind of walked in there cold. And um, they didn't have any jobs, but he <laughs> gave me a break and um, and introduced me to a friend of his uh, in Germany that was looking for somebody to start up uh, a kids shoe business in the United States. And, and that 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 was my that was my way in. Wow. Now, so you you get in, you're starting to work in that space. And I'll fast forward a bit, but talk about how you went into kind of doing your own thing, taking a brand from start, to, you know, very much square one or, or zero dollars in sales at UMI and and really growing that brand. It's at, I, at least in my, I'm guessing that's what you're referring to as far as uh, children's shoes. Yeah, the first the first brand uh, was a joint venture with Alan Edmonds that was called Elefantin. Uh, so I, I, you know, I started that with zero, literally, and only you know, thousands of mistakes, knew absolutely nothing about shoes, <laughs> right. nothing about how to sell, um, nothing about, you know, I really knew nothing at all. Um, but, but, you know, John Stonework gave me a shot, the German company gave me a shot, and in a relatively short period of time, we had a really sizable business here, extremely profitable, the biggest export market outside of the home country of Germany, and it really kind of established you know, a better grade category of children's footwear, um, like over stride, right. That was kind of the mainstay in the market. So, um, so I, I was there for, uh, about 14 years and then almost overnight, um, the parent company, um, which at the time Clarks of England had bought it, sure. just decided to close the door. So, um, uh, I reached out because obviously, you know, we were very profitable here and, you know, you just had a huge presence at retail and tried to buy it. And, you know, they, they ignored it and ignored me and, and really wouldn't give me the time of day. So <laughs> after about a week, week and a half of getting the, the door shut, I reached out to my attorney and accountant and we put together a plan to, you know, uh, launch our own brand to really compete in that space and, and raise some money. So that's how Umi came about. Umi literally just took the place of Elephant. Got it. Same manufacturing, same aesthetic, same price point, same customers, wow. um, and, and and we we created that, you know, raised some money, and and ran that for about six years uh, with a group of investors uh, who then decided to sell. Wow, to Waco. Um, so here we are today, or I, I should say today, 2017, <laughs> um, when you started Milwaukee Boots. So. Um, I, I again loved researching this, and I didn't know I, I I'd done a lot of work in Milwaukee and Minneapolis, Chicago in, in the retail space. I didn't know that uh, as I did my research. Let's see, the first Milwaukee leather tannery opened in 1842, and over several decades, the city became the largest leather manufacturing center in the world. I, that was incredible. I had no you, idea. You, you did your homework. I man. did. I had no yeah. idea. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, and, and, and honestly, a lot of people. Just, just don't know. Um, and, I, and frankly, I don't think Milwaukee's done a particularly good job of tooting their own horn right. or, or telling its story for, well. For beer. But one, one, best. Yeah, yeah, one of the cool <laughs> things, especially in the neighborhood where our office is, is, you know, you see a lot of these 
tanneries and leather production places that have been repurposed uh, in shoe factories and that sort of thing. So, you know, they're office buildings sure. now or retailer condos, but but they're still here. And, and it really is, it, you know, obviously beer is number one, but, you know, it's a, it's a strong piece of the, the heritage of, of Milwaukee. Well, that's funny. Well, okay. So how did you decide to get into the boot space? I think it's really cool. I love the design. So how did you decide this is going to be the next, um, you know, the bu- next business? What was the original idea behind this one? Well, I, I after I spent a few years with Waco after they bought the movie brand, um, I got bored again and <laughs> decided to um, really leave the kids space and, and at the time try to either get into men's or women's, uh, which are just more, there's more value there, there's more stability there, um, and, and there's more demand there. So um, I hooked up with a, a third generation, a family uh, shoemaker and leather accessory maker in in India that was looking to enter the U.S. market and really wanted somebody to um, to run that business for them. So, um, so that was in the beginning of 2017. Uh, we started with a couple facets to our business. You know, number one was private labels, so producing shoes and accessories for primarily other retailers and wholesalers in the country that and they put their name on the product. Um, Secondly, we licensed the brand, which was Robert Talbot, the men's, okay. men's apparel brand. Yep. And then third, we wanted to launch our own uh, direct-to-consumer brand, which sure. is called Moral Code, uh, which still exists today. Yeah, Moral Code, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, I, after, I would say, uh, a year and a half to two years with Moral Code, um, the you know, really the, the entire aspect of business dress changed almost overnight uh, in the United yeah. States. And, when it's changed you know, even more in the last six months. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. my God, yeah. yeah. No. But, you know, casual Friday became kind of casual Monday through That's Friday. Right. So, and, and, and with moral code really focusing on um, kind of Allen Edmonds, right. you know, similar shoes to Allen Edmonds, you know, Goodyear welted dress shoes. Um, it, you know, we weren't offering the types of shoes that guys wanted to wear. Right. Like go with the um, business you know, casual Particularly outside of work. You sure. know, e- even if they have to be, you know, a lawyer or something like that, they were still wearing dress shoes. So, um, so we really, you know, it, our, our showroom and office in Milwaukee is located in a, kind of a reclaimed area just south of downtown Milwaukee called the Fifth Ward that is home to a lot of these old shoe factories and canneries and older buildings. And we just got to thinking, you know, how can we, create a casual casual footwear brand that that wouldn't compete with moral code but you know would really offer a casual affordable alternative to the you know same guy that, that maybe buy moral code but but whose aspect of of dress has changed so we we want and i guess the other thing is you know there's certainly no lack of of shoes available in the market <laughs> for anyone so you know how do you bring something to the market that people want people right. need and and frankly there's space for it That's and right. You know, we we wanted an authentic story. We've heard so many like bullshit stories of D to C brands <laughs> right. over and over again. You know, it's and it's always kind of the same formula. You know, a investment banker went on vacation to Europe, couldn't you know, he could never find shoes at home. He found a factory in Europe and he brought them back. Found a middleman. Yeah, know, right. Like, like you did that over and over again. So, <laughs> right. um, so by leaning into you know, it's like how can we come up with something that really connects with Milwaukee? So, um, you know, and we went through, you know, probably three or four different concepts before we finally uh, decided on Milwaukee Boot. But 
Um, it really was, you know, how can we bring an authentic product that that young guys that may not be may not even be working in an office, but sure. you know, I'm talking like a barista or a butcher, or, you know, a baker, you know, yep. you know, some of you know, just a trades guy, but you know, he still cares about how he looks. He cares about you know his accessories, and, and, he, and he cares about his individualism. You know how can you know how can he kind of lean into something that um, is the, is the real deal? So sure. so we came up with Milwaukee Boot Company, and it took a, took a lot of pitching with the ownership of our <laughs> of our company to even greenlight that. Right. But finally, finally, we made it happen, well, and we're really pleased with the results. It's, yeah, it's awesome. I was going through. Um, I love buying clothes and shopping. I know I may be an unusual guy, but. Um, I really, I kind of reminded me a little bit of flavors of Fry and Mark Nason is kind of the things that yep. came to mm-hmm. mind as I saw those. Um, and I felt like the price point was really very reasonable. Um, and my two favorites are the Bradford and the Clybourne. Those are my two. <laughs> so here's my question. So, I, I, good choices. <laughs> did you have yeah. designers already, or like how, to talk about? Okay, we're gonna we want to go into this space like. Is it from? Did you start from scratch, or you already had a couple of products? It was a matter of tweaking to get you a quick entry. You know what I'm saying? No, honestly, you know, we um, our parent company does make. You know, obviously, we make private label products for for many European brands and, and U.S. brands as well. But you know, convent, you know, the boots that you see in Milwaukee boot, you know, more part of that. It's it's more it's more just. Um, Either dress footwear or casual footwear, but right. but not not a lot of boots. So we really, honestly, we really did start from scratch, and a lot of it was a ton of planning, a ton of design work and uh, development work with you know revision after revision, a lot I'm of material sure. work, trial and error, outsole work. You know, shoes. You know, people think shoes are really simple to make, and <laughs> um, they're not. You know, it, right. it's a, honestly, it's a very complex product, and. And you know, just getting the fit correct and and everything working in tandem from a number of different suppliers, you know, it, it, it's a complicated process. But um, we, you know, we didn't rush it. We gave ourselves plenty of time. We actually launched the product, you know, primarily because of COVID. But we right. did launch the product about four months after uh, we originally had intended. But um, but it's the real deal, and um, we've right. gotten a great first reaction. The accessories have performed well. That's right, and, I saw that. And we're excited to kind of take it to the you know season number two. Yeah, you're right at that kind of early stage, which I, I love. Um, so, talk about the decision to just go direct to consumer versus through traditional retail. Um, how do you how mm-hmm. do you make that call? I mean, you've you've dealt with that before. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that for this for this brand. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a constant question, and, and I'm, I'm being <laughs> I'm really sure. honest because right. you know, with traditional retail, you know, you really have you, you got somebody else doing the heavy lifting for you, exposing the brand, advertising the brand, you know, fitting the brand, selling the brand, and you know, they their reach, you know, always is significantly larger than than our own. Sure. Um, but that also means, you know, at the end of the day, you have to build up oh. sufficient margin oh, totally. for, for them to make money. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, the, the, the further up on the food chain you go in terms of price point, you know, the, the you know, the, the smaller the market becomes. That's so right. um, it, it really wasn't out of, it wasn't out of greed or trying to, you know, capture the majority of the margin. It was just how, how can we get the price points as low as possible to appeal to as broad of an audience as we can. And, and honestly, at some point in time, I'd love to find you know, a way that we could make this work, you know, in conventional retail. 
but but it, at least with the launch of the brand, you know, we decided to control it ourselves, and you know, just just it, it also frankly gives us a, a much a much higher degree of flexibility to test product, test price point, um, literally test everything before um, before it starts to get out there in other retailers. Yep, I know, especially retail, a lot of the you know, merch and store ops folks are looking for a double, you know, like I buy it from you for $5. I need to be able to, sell, you know, and then I can sell it for 10. Is that the same in footwear from a margin perspective, or is it different in terms of what your expectation, what the retailer's expectations are? Yeah. For, for athletics, branded athletic footwear, it's actually a little less, okay. which never made any sense to me, but <laughs> conventional footwear, Interesting. there's usually at a minimum, you know, with most retailers, you're, you're really looking at about a 55% markup. Right. So, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, basically doubling the price plus right. five bucks, yeah. you know, based on a hundred bucks. So, uh, and, and even with that, it's, it's, it's really hard for a retailer to make money when, you know, when you consider footwear, all the sizes you're carrying, totally. the it's Such widgets, volume. colorways, you yeah. know, yeah, you know, you, you're not, you're not selling widgets. So right. uh, the, the amount of, amount of variables that you have to invest in, in terms of inventory, frankly, to sell one shoe, um, is really, really high. <laughs> space in the store. I mean, geez. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you think yeah, about that absolutely. in the back for those that don't work in retail. Um, okay, so exciting! Your early stages here. So you know you've been through this before, and you've lived the this the growth curve. So share with our audience like what what are two or three of the key things you guys have got to focus on? Let's just say coming out of COVID, back half of the year into the next year, like to continue growth, add other SKUs, etc. What are, like based on what you've learned before? What are the next two or three key priorities? Well, um, we would love, you know, we started out with uh, really three accessories. It's a really tight collection. I think there's seven or eight styles of, of boots, um, you know, two colorways each. And there's uh, an apron that we, like a full body apron that we did in leather can, and wax canvas. And then we did a backpack. So um, we have seen a, a huge amount of interest on the accessory side I'm of the sure. business just because it kind of goes with everything and you're not limited, you know, either when totally. you have to wear it or where you have to wear it. So, um, I'd love to go a little bit deeper into the accessories and you can really have fun with it as well, you know, just in terms of the heritage of the brand and, and, and we, we have a very, very talented design and development team. So honestly, we can, we can literally almost develop design and develop almost any category of anything. Um, so I, I think sure. we can, you know, really, Really have some fun in that in that area, and then on the on the, the boot side of it as well, you know, we've already got requests from women for women's boots. Exactly, that's, that's still yep, going to be off, off all ways. But just you know, getting into a, a couple of new constructions and outsoles and materials uh, for season two, just to kind of freshen things up. Um, you know, that that's kind of the, the short term plan. But you know, the, in terms of priorities. It, 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 we just never want a story from authenticity. It's always those backstories, you know, and, and real backstories, you know, where we're, we're, we're not, you know, for our first photo shoot, we, you know, there are no models, you know, we <laughs> hired a fireman, we hired um, a dancer and we hired, who was the other guy? Um, a bespoke furniture maker. So those, those are the guys we shot them all in their environments. Yeah. And, it's really cool. You know, they're wearing the product. So, yeah. you know, we don't want this to be, you know, a special occasion shoe. We just want this to be a cool shoe for everybody to wear. Right. Yeah. That's a great website as well. Um, this is so great. So excited um, that that we've had a chance to meet. Share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you uh, in your company and, and check out the, the products and whatnot. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, online at uh, www.milwaukeebootcompany.com is the site. And then obviously we're on uh, social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and LinkedIn as well. And I, I'm on LinkedIn myself is a lot. So happy to connect with anybody that way and, and help them out. And um, you'll see a little bit of Milwaukee Boot Company this fall. Um, uh, in, you know, we're on Gear Patrol. Um, uh, Esquire magazine uh, will be doing something on us in the next couple of months. So that's really cool. Um, and you know, we just you know podcasts like uh, <laughs> like, like this the one. contender. Yeah, you know, that's that right. To be. So <laughs> you know, we're you know as as you well know, you know, a huge part of this, particularly with a new brand, is just building awareness. Totally, so, um, it's just trying to get the message out and. Um, and kind of word of mouth so that's what we're doing right now that's awesome yeah and for those that haven't been to milwaukeebootcompany.com there's actually a $20 off your first pair coupon for signing up their newsletter um, check that out I mean just great products so um, Mark we must have you back on the podcast down the road as this continues to grow um, love your background and this is going to be a fun story to follow so thanks for being on the show thanks for having me it was great to talk the Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.